I was frustrated because I was really good at starting songs or starting an idea and never finishing it. And I, um, I just sat down one night and I like no computer or phone or anything, just paper pen and uh, decided I was going to start, start a song and finish it that night. Hey fam, Zenya here. Welcome back to the show. I am so excited for you to be joining me today as we chat with our guest, Sam Small. But before we dive into today's episode, just a quick reminder to please subscribe to the show. Whether you are listening on iTunes, Spotify, Audible, Google Play, press that subscribe button so you can stay up to date on episodes. And head on over to patreon.com slash Xenia to join the fam and help keep this show going every single week and get access to exclusive content, behind the scenes content, and early access for my music and writing. Again, that's patreon.com slash X-E-N-J-A. Your support means the absolute world to me. Sam Small is a songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, and poet. Sam's music is intimate, intricate, and lush in lyrical imagery with seemingly as much influence from music as poetry and literature. Sam, while a prolific writer, didn't release his musical debut, Hazel, until 2018. Hazel is a collection of modern folk songs recorded live in one night. Mitch Mosk of Atwood Magazine writes, acoustic music has an inherent tendency to feel raw and naked, but Sam Small's debut EP feels all the more exposed. Humble and honest, Hazel is an intimate and timeless look at modern life through the eyes of a singer-songwriter and his faithful guitar. Don't miss this embittered, starry-eyed artistry. Sam Small may be a new name, but his tale is classic, as old as time. Sam is also a touring and session musician and a member of Man Man. Hi, Sam. Welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, how's it going? You're welcome. Good. I didn't ask this in the script, but what's Man Man? Uh, so they're a band from, uh, from Philly, and I joined them, like uh, I guess, maybe like over a year or so now ago. Uh, but yeah, uh, we're on Sub Pop and have a, uh, put out a new record, uh, during the pandemic. Cool. Last year. Yeah. Like worth that. checking that out, but yeah. Yeah. So Sam, can we start with just kind of what got you interested in music in the first place? Was this like a childhood passion that you pursued? Did you go to school for music? Uh, yeah. So both, um, I grew up with a, there was an upright piano in my house. And ever since I was like, really little, I would just go like kind of sit at it. And I think early on just be like banging on the keys. Um, and then my dad would bring me to, he would get, uh, I'm from Boston. And so we'd go to the Boston. Oh, cool. Uh, Boston symphony orchestra, um, and have seasons passes. And so I'd, I'd kind of be like absorbing a lot of that. I think, even though I'd fall asleep a lot of the time and, uh, so I'd like, as I got older, it would be like, I'd sit down and kind of close my eyes and picture. It's like, you know, you're up on the, up on the stage and the audience is there dead silent. And I would kind of like spread my fingers across the keys and hope whatever I landed on would sound like really great. And it never did. Um, 
but yeah, I think my parents got really sick of it and they put me in piano lessons. <laughs> um, so I did that for seven years. And uh, then I kind of was sick of piano and I was getting into, into rock music and all kinds of more angsty things and um, decided I wanted to play guitar. So I started with my dad's old classical guitar. And then eventually my, my older brother gave me a, uh, an old electric and I, I got into that and was basically self-taught for a couple of years. And then I started with some lessons and uh, yeah, I ended up going uh, to Berkeley College of Music for guitar. Um, so yeah, that kind of like, I guess, catapulted me in that direction even further kind of committing on that level. Yeah, absolutely. Berkeley is a really good school. Yeah, it's uh, it was fun. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. So, do you do you play any other instruments besides piano and guitar? Uh, yeah, I play banjo, um, which is cool. Um, yeah, um, I mean, basically anything with strings and frets, I can kind of get my way around on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also just got this cool thing. A friend gave it to me and I'm kind of like, it's kind of a, a mix between like a guitar and a banjo, but it's like a um, bulbul tarang, hmm. which is like a, it's also called like an Indian or like um tandoor banjo. Okay. And it's basically you have like strings running this way and they're all tuned to either like the same thing or like the fifth part and you strum it on one end and then there's a keyboard that like frets it underneath the keyboard. And so it has this like weird kind of Indian twangy thing to it. That's so cool. Huh. I that. that sounds very folky. Yeah. Sort of. It's like Middle Eastern folky sound. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Do you find that like instruments just come naturally to you and that's why you're like able to easily pick them up? Uh, yes. Something like things that don't though are stuff like violin because I'd like Boeing is like a complete, complete mystery to me. It just sounds like a dying cat. And then <laughs> I've tried to like, I had like a week where I was going to try to learn trumpet last year. And it was like, I, I managed to get a sound through the thing, but it is like extremely difficult. And I think there's like physical limitations like that on some instruments, but it's, if the physics of it are pretty simple, then yeah, I can, I can figure it out pretty easily. That's cool. My brother actually played trumpet in middle school and we just, over the holidays, we like watched old videos and there was one of him playing trumpet on Christmas Eve and it sounded terrible. And we were all like, why did it sound so good at the time? And now it's like, that is so clearly not in tune. (laughs) Yeah, it sounds about right. I think we, uh, we make exceptions when we're younger. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, 100%. Um, So when did songwriting start to happen? And so you like you, you're a poet. So do you draw a lot from poetry? Um, Uh, I I do. I do. I think like songwriting started happening probably a little later. I was in college and started writing like a little bit. I would like try to write when I was in high school, but I had this thing where it's like I'd sit down and I'd like, attempt to write something and then get frustrated because I just, I got somehow got it in my head that it was like all the good songs had been written. Mm, mm-hmm. 
And so it's like, if I felt like I was going in a good direction, I'm like, why this sounds like something else. And, you know, I was like scared of like plagiarizing, I guess. Yeah. And, and not, not knowing it. So I don't know. I, I somehow broke out of that in college. I think it was like, I went through, you know, first, like really like in love breakup you know, and it just, you know, went, went really down the pit of despair. And, uh, uh, I ended up, I, I, I was frustrated because I was really good at starting songs or starting an idea and never finishing it. And I, um, I just sat down one night and I like no computer or phone or anything, just paper pen and, uh, decided I was going to start, start a song and finish it that night. And I like wouldn't, I can't sleep. I can't open the computer. I can't do anything until it's done. And, um, and I did, and it turned out to be a pretty good song. Um, I actually recorded that and some other early ones. Uh, when I was still in school, I, I did a, did a record with, uh, my, uh, my best friend. Well, you know, Nate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, native high noon audio for anybody out there. He'll be on. We're chatting next week. Okay, cool. Um, Yeah, so we we did a thing, and I never ended up releasing it. Which who knows? Maybe I'll maybe I'll do a release after the fact at some point of that that record. It was fun, but yeah, it kind of sent me down the train of like, okay, you can actually write and finish something, Um, and that sort of became an obsession. I think I was also getting like really heavily into Bob Dylan at the time. Um, and like Bob Dylan and Neil Young and a lot of that like folk rock stuff. Um, and I think guys like that or people like that were really, uh, was inspirational because they were doing more than just writing like, you know, whatever bubblegum pop style manufactured kind of lyrics some stuff that was like felt a lot heavier and you could really read through it and go oh this is this is more interesting than just on face value yeah Uh, and so yeah I kind of wanted to pursue that I thought there like wasn't really enough of that music in the world Mm -hmm. uh so I wanted to make more of it um so yeah I think that sort of that sort of became like sort of a, an addiction of sorts to kind of pursue that. And I think down that path, it was like, I mean, I'm, I think I got into poetry probably around the same time, probably reading like Bukowski and mm-hmm. you know, edgy, edgy stuff like that. And I mean, Bukowski's great, but the more I read, the more I got into it, it was like, you start reading like, you know, denser or older stuff, even like go back to, I mean, Lord Byron or Shakespeare and then up to like Rimbaud and Dylan Thomas and Baudelaire and all those people. And there's like a lot more going on than mm-hmm. just Rukowski being mad sitting at his typewriter. And so I think like that, that kind of struck me too. So it's kind of trying to like reconcile all these different, different things. And I, as I've continued to write, it's been like trying to really distill it down to make it because I've written some folk songs that are like, sort of long, 
long stories and stuff like that. And then, but I've been kind of working in with the new stuff I've been doing, trying to like distill it down to where it's digestible, but still poetic and meaningful. Yeah. Is folk your main or only genre or do you write in other genres too? No, I mean, the stuff I'm working on now is definitely more like, God, I don't know. It's definitely has more of like a, like Wilco and Velvet Underground influence to it. So it's definitely a little more, a little more sort of avant-garde and rock and roll in that sense. Um, I think there's always kind of going to be a folkiness that I'm just stuck with kind of with my voice, how it is. But um, yeah, so some, some kind of crossover, but yeah, taking more from other things. And of course, when you're adding other instruments into stuff, it, it takes different, different avenues as well. Yeah, totally. What's your songwriting process like now? <laughs> uh, I don't get a lot of sleep. Uh, <laughs> it's a lot of kind of that same thing of, uh, usually starts, I'll be playing guitar, typically acoustic. I don't too often write on electric because I just get sucked down the like playing electric guitar rabbit hole. Yeah. Um, just kind of sitting around and I just kind of start strumming through chords and then just kind of start mumbling things out. And I try to land on, and I use like voice memos all the time just to mm -hmm. just catch what I'm doing. And if there's like a line or two, or like maybe I'll get something that feels like a verse. Um, and maybe there's like kind of a weird structure. And if I keep going, I'll like lose the structure, may simplify it or something like that. So I'll, I'll stop and I'll go back and listen and I'll write down what I got and try to like, try to then expand from that original structure that just kind of happened off my mind. And maybe some of it doesn't even have words. It's just mumbling. Um, or like I'm, I'm, I have this sort of issue with like when you get into get into writing and you get into having like habits of like certain turns of phrase or stuff like just comes out of your mouth when you're thinking. And it's like, it drives me crazy because I'm constantly trying to like break those. Um, so if that's happening, I'm like, okay, that's like the first thing that has to go. Like, what do I want to say? And what's like, what's the point of this? What's like the message? What's the, what's the line that it all kind of orbits around. Um, but yeah, it kind of starts there. And then, I kind of work through it until I at least feel like if it's not completely done that I have like a rough draft that's done and has like a form and structure and like a beginning and end. And I'm, I'm happy with that there. Yeah. Uh, so it's usually a single night process aside from going over it and, and maybe revising later. Yeah, I get that. I'm the same way. I create mostly electronic and EDM stuff, but like mm -hmm. if I don't, get it done in like one sitting it's rare that i'll go back to it yeah it happens occasionally but yeah, yeah. Not, not often not often um so i'm curious to know how mm. do you how do you know when a song is finished uh it's just a feeling mm. i think it's like if i if i like can i'll just do like a little you know simple voice memo recording of it and i'll listen back and it's like if i if i like it you know, if it's like, I'd listen to that song, that, yeah. that feels right. If it feels somehow unresolved in an unpleasant way, then it's like, no, that's not good. Or yeah. Um, 
And sometimes it's like, I know a song is done and I know it's not my best one. And it's like, okay, at least it's done and I can move on. Yeah. Um, usually, I mean, I rarely write a song that I don't like on some level. It just comes down to like, am I gonna, I write a lot. So it's like, am I gonna bother my band with this? Mm. Um, which normally I just text them all like in the middle of the night and <laughs> they're all like, go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's just kind of a gut feeling thing. I mean, obviously, there's certain things of like if you have half of the last verse done and you're like, I'm stopping here, it's kind of like, well, it's not <laughs> technically done. Right. But, yeah, um, I, I really try to trust my instincts on that. Totally. I get that. Okay, so can we chat about touring? You mentioned sure, that you sure. have traveled pre and post touring. So I'm just curious yeah. about, about all these journeys. Well, I mean, so, you know, being a musician and then moving to somewhere like LA and even before moving, before I moved to LA, it's like you end up working. Like, it's not like you get out of college and at least for me, cause I, I studied performance and, um, aside from jobs that involve explicitly guitar playing, there's not a lot of like job market. It's just like, Hey, here's a, here's a well-paying job right out of the gate. So, yeah, I mean, I ended up, I've worked, you know, like manual labor and then I, but I, I came out to, I like sort of did like a solo tour out to LA when I moved here. Uh, which was kind of neat. And then I, I landed and was sort of um, sort of all over the place and um, was living in Santa Monica and just trying to pick up odd, odd jobs here and there. And then I ended up, uh, um, the, my girlfriend at the time, we went across, across the country and we played like a few shows, but kind of were just like wandering around. Um, Cause we kind of got burnt out on that first rush of like LA life. And, uh, I think it's kind of overwhelming when you first, first hit it. And I mean, I have a lot of family out here, so it, was, it wasn't like the city itself was completely brand new, but when you're actually living someplace and trying to like make it somehow, um, but yeah, we, we ended up back East for a little bit and then we came back out and we ended up, she had a friend who had, who knew somebody who knew somebody. And we ended up, uh, ended up working on a, on a weed farm up in Humboldt for a while. <laughs> we worked on a couple of those. And so, you know, I mean, stuff like that, it's, it's very, in a sense, it's humbling, but you also get into some like just very bizarre situations when you're just sort of open to like traveling and, you know, road life on a certain level. Um, but yeah, it was, it's, I wouldn't recommend the industry to people. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's oftentimes you think it's just like, oh, it's just people that like to uh, smoke pot and hang out and it's all chill. And a lot of times it's like when you're working with something like pot, people are doing other drugs for fun, oh. you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably stay away from that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think the craziest story from being up there, though, was there. So a lot of people come from like 
Europe and stuff too to to do that because there's okay. this lure of it, which is bizarre. But there's this German guy up there, and it was like a rainy night one night, and he was like, "Sam, like, do you want to like? Have you seen the grave?" like no (laughs) didn't know about this and like I don't really know you that well either yeah yeah he's like no 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 come here and he like walks me around it was pretty near where like they had their tent set up because we're all sleeping outside um and yeah there was just like a pretty much person-sized hole dug in the ground (laughs) with the pile of dirt next to it and it's like oh Yeah. And I mean, if I was to, you know, say, try to give it like benefit of the doubt, it's like maybe you would throw a generator in there or something (laughs) if they got robbed. But also it's pretty ominous looking when you're working illegally. So (laughs) I think stuff like that, I've I've taken like tried to take inspiration from just kind of being out and, and living life and not just having that pipeline of like going from college to like you know, doing your, either having like a desk job or doing your dream job. Um, and then if I've like worked in kitchens and stuff like that, but yeah, it's, um, yeah, bouncing around and it's, uh, I've had a couple, I actually went back and worked on another weed farm somewhere else too, because it's, there's always that you say you're never going to do it again. And then you're like, Ooh, well, it sounds better than my restaurant job right now. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, but yeah, eventually I ended up found myself into touring and I toured with this, uh, this cover band for a while, which was good. And I mean, the money's pretty good and it's, uh, kind of allows you to, to do, uh, to go out and work and have fun and play music and come back and have a set amount of time to be able to kind of do what you, whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, not long after that, I joined, joined man man as well so we were touring all uh pretty much up to the pandemic and then uh, and then that hit and it screwed everything up of course yeah but yeah you know it's um i miss stuff like just going to random truck stops and gas stations and buying random stuff you'll never need and (laughs) yeah um yeah, there's something kind of fun and exciting about just constantly being in motion. And, but also, you know, having, having a goal every day of like, we're going to get here and go play the show and it'll be great. Yeah. Yeah. How long is a tour typically? Last tour was about five weeks. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, it could be shorter, could be, could be longer. Uh, we were kind of looking at doing sort of two back-to-back like five-week tours uh with this with the pandemic we're like right before it hit it would have been in like april or something of 2020 and so collectively you know 10 10 weeks with a short break in between mm-hmm. um which can be a lot i mean you know you're in a van every day and luckily like everybody gets along really well so that's uh that goes a long way. Yeah. Have you ever had horror stories about that? Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> I have, and I've heard worse ones. Oh yeah. Which, you know, I don't, nobody wants to name names. You know? Oh no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
but yeah, no, it's uh, and it's not even it's it's just a thing of of you put people in a pressure cooker and like little things can just you know things that would normally be fine even in a friendship you'd be like they're just driving me really crazy today or you know yeah well (laughs) that's i mean pandemic living a lot of people i mean i live alone so in some ways i'm lucky in some ways not so lucky but yeah i mean i heard that like the divorce rate shot up because of pandemic so i believe it yeah yeah so yeah, it's kind of like stationary touring. It's just a lot of off days. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's cool. Um, what's next for you? Well, that's that's interesting. Um, yeah, well, so I, I've been trying to record this next record of mine. Um, we were set to start literally in March of 2020. Oh no. <laughs> and then it shut down and we, we got in a couple of times and did like a couple of rehearsals, um, over, like, I don't know, summer, fall, whenever it wasn't so bad. And then it was like, it started surging again, like right as we were actually right before we were set to like do recording day one. And, uh, we were like, this is, it's worse than it was when we canceled the first time. So like, we should probably not be not be dumb and put this off. So, you know, I don't know. We're trying to figure out what that looks like. We did one song or we kind of got like a rough draft of it done through partially remote recording. I did go in with the drummer and and my producer and uh, get the drums down and get a couple of things, a couple of things done, which is, which is cool. I mean, ideally, I want, kind of want to have an, a whole thing that has that cohesive sound of doing everything in mostly in the room together and also not like, well, this vocal was recorded here and this one was done at home. If it's, I don't know, kind of have to see how it all plays out, but I'm either looking at just putting out a record or possibly if we do stuff that is going to sound different enough because it's remote, putting that into like some kind of quarantine EP as like a sort of teaser for the album. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, kind of I've just been working with sort of a different sound and this, this band for a while now, which are, they're all guys that I've, I've met touring. Um, just really wanting to record it and get it out. I've got, uh, we did one, um, one completely remote session uh, that we did for that NPR tiny desk contest, um, last year. So do you know the NPR tiny desk concerts? Okay. So they're like at their offices in DC or wherever they have, they have artists or, you know, musicians come in and just do like stripped down versions of, of like mini sets, um, just in the office for like the people that work there and it's it's like a little concert series so they're always really fun but they do a contest every year and have people submit submit videos which again we were going to shoot ours live and then of course everything shut down so we did it totally remotely and it's a, probably a song that we're going to re-record together for the record but i did put that like quarantine version out on my band camp so if you want kind of like somewhat of a little bit of a taste of what the new stuff's going to sound like you'll kind of catch that there cool. um it's called preserve me any wonder 
Nice. And that link will be in uh, the episode description for listeners to go find it. Cool. Yeah, yeah. What's what's your recording process like? Um, so recording process is I'm pretty much like I'm not I'm not super tech savvy. I have some I have some uh, I have some home recording gear that I can definitely get some get some of the job done. Um, but I much prefer to go in and have somebody who's like behind the board and kind of do things old school and in person. And um, I like to track as much of the band live as possible. Um, I think there's just that cohesion that you get with as many people playing together in the same room. Uh, I also like kind of the sound of how like there used to be a lot of bleed in old records where it's like, which again, I think makes things feel more together um, just because it's like, yeah, you're going to get some of the, maybe some of the bass and the the drum overheads or something like that. And it, it just kind of, kind of sticks. And if everybody's playing really well and, you know, good musicians, good sounds, good room. Um, I, I think it, I think it works great. And then, you know, it's stuff like vocals or certain overdubs you want to go in and, um, do after the fact, just so you get them a little cleaner. Um, but yeah, um, I kind of, and I've been, I've been lucky to have really good people that I, I work with. Um, and I'm kind of able to write the songs and give them, give them to the band and go in and, um, we just kind of go and get to work. Yeah. How yeah. long does it take start to finish for a recording session? Um, well, uh, it depends who you're working with. Um, yeah. and you know, some things, some things are different than others. I mean, so with, um, uh, with, uh, with my stuff, it's pretty, pretty efficient. I would say we could probably in, in, a, in an evening get at least basics for anywhere from three to five songs done. Uh, maybe more depends. Um, but you know, as far as working with, with other people, it just is like, depends on the project and depends like on the personnel too. Um, uh, I did that project with, uh, Stacy Burroughs over this pandemic. Um, and you know, we went in and we got the drums and bass done. Um, I think that was like a day. And then I was, I, uh, I was doing acoustic guitar at the same time and we got scratch vocals too. Um, and then it was like, I ended up playing all the, all the keys and all the electric guitar stuff. So it was like, I had to do like a keys day mm. and then I had to do like an electric guitar day and we were doing some vocals and vocal comping and stuff like that. So that took, that took a little longer. It's like, if we had had a keys guy, then maybe could have done that, you know, live or, you know, whatever, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, more people you have, the quicker it goes usually. 
as yeah. long as, as long as you're good because it's like if you have <laughs> if you have people that are messing up every time then you have to keep throwing stuff out so yeah cool um before we get into final five is there anything that i didn't ask that you want to share Ooh, um gosh i don't i don't think so i think that's kind of kind of sums it up for what's yeah. what's going forward i guess yeah just just keep keep an eye out on uh new new releases i post semi-regularly on instagram i'll be posting more when <laughs> stuff is happening i'm but, the yeah. worst of it on instagram i hate social media so much this the yeah the whole pandemic I, I was using it way more before and then it was like the pandemic and then sort of the whole like you know all the social justice stuff happening and all that it's just like this is this feels really kind of selfish and contrived um to just be posting all the time but yeah i do you know as things do come back it's like self-promotion getting getting stuff out there it's kind of part of the part of the system i don't know blessing and a curse i guess i don't know yeah uh, no definitely so yeah um i don't know i just ask people to stay stay tuned i'm, I'm really excited for what's what's going to be coming out whenever we can I'm, do it i'm curious i didn't ask this in the script either um why did it take you so long to release hazel um well i like hadn't released i waited a little too long on my first uh that first record i did that i still am sitting on um i think part of it was i i was frustrated with seeing so many people especially around that time uh I just had friends and it's like people would put out a record on soundcloud and it would get listened to five times and it would disappear and I wanted somehow to like put it out to a bigger audience. And I just didn't really know how to pull it off. And by the time I really probably could have gotten that together, I was like, it's felt old to me. Mm. And so I didn't put that out. And then I was just kind of out there running around trying to like survive. And so I didn't have access to, to studios or anything like that. So I'd written a lot, but I just, I didn't, you know, and not, not having much for recording gear being that tech savvy, I wasn't like recording my own stuff out there. So yeah, finally got to, got to do that, do that with Nate. And, um, I did get some, you know, I had some exclusive releases on the singles and stuff and it did help. And, uh, yeah, I, I think there's, on one hand, it's like, yeah, maybe it would have been cool to put some stuff out earlier. But I do think if you wait and do it right, it's also it's also beneficial, too, because if you get a little too eager, you make mistakes. Mm hmm. Yeah, that's been my year, <laughs> just like finding my vibe and my music. And, and I feel like I'm still sort of finding it. And I definitely put some stuff out too soon and I've taken it all down. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what scared me too. I, I worked with this publicist on the last, uh, the last and that e, uh, EP and he was like, well, like if you've posted it anywhere, like you're not going to be able to get like exclusive write-ups because it's released. And I was like, oh, well I hadn't, 
but still like good to know. Cause it's just like, I know that there's that like, well, it's done. I want to get it out, get it out to the people. And it's like, well, you've got not many people that it's going to go out to. So, um, yeah. And so I don't know, it's, it's trying to find that balance between like being smart and not just procrastinating because you're like scared to put it out. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. There's, there's, I think there's a balance in there. Hopefully. Maybe somewhere. <laughs> somewhere. Yeah. All right. Uh, it is time for final five speed round. So one, what's your favorite instrument to play? Uh, it's gotta be guitar. Electric guitar, you know. What is your favorite genre of song to write? Oof. Um, <laughs> I guess like whatever I'm doing now. I, I don't know quite what to call it. I guess like, um, I guess I'd, I've been calling it for a while, I guess like psychedelic folk or psychedelic folk rock. Yeah. Cool. That, I guess. Nice. Uh, three, what is one piece of advice you have for a future songwriter? Finish your songs. Yeah. What is one thing you do when you're feeling creative blocks? Um, (laughs) uh, good question. Um, on the healthier side, I'd say go for a walk. Uh, on the uh, non-healthy side, I'd say pour yourself a drink. Um, <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. That's okay. Otherwise, don't don't force it and just kind of accept that, like, maybe it's just not happening tonight. Yeah. I think if you beat yourself up over it, you're only going to make it worse. Yes, I can attest to that. Yeah. Um, all right, last question. If you could only listen to one song for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oof, that is very difficult. Um, one song, rest of my life. God. Uh, uh, first thing that's just coming into my head right now is probably China Cat Sunflower by the Grateful Dead. Cool. Yeah. I'll have to check it out because I haven't heard it. Cool. Thank you so much for chatting with us, Sam. It's been so much fun to get to know you. I'm so glad Stacy connected us. Yeah, this is great. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. Family, go check out Sam Small on Instagram, at Sam Small, Sam Small. That will also be in uh, the episode description. You can find his EP, Hazel, on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, the likes. And check out the remote recording that he was talking about, Preserve Me Any Wonder, on samsmall.bandcamp.com slash community. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you have enjoyed your time today. Please take a minute to press that subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, Audible, Google Play. And if you liked today's episode, please rate and leave a review. It would mean so much to me and it helps more listeners like you find this podcast. You can connect with our guests and myself on social media. All of our information and more is listed in the description of this episode. I'm your host, Senya. See you next time.